Hi! Welcome inside to My Cage Mind. I'm Micah Frankel, and we got a lot to talk about today going on from the world of MMA. There's CFFC with a back-to-back -back event this weekend following up on the back-to-back -back events from Bellator last weekend. You had LFA finishing up Phase 2, a UFC fight night. This weekend, there's Invicta and a UFC fight night. Not to mention that back-to-back, -back, I believe one championship has an event going on. And Bellator making news with moving to CBS Sports, heading over to Milan, heading to Paris, a lot of Bellator news, Bellator events. Where we're going to start off with, we'll go back to the LFA to get us going. Phase 2 from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, the Sanford Pentagon, and that all finished out on Friday night. And I mean, Max, Nick Maximov, excuse me, Defeating Johnny James, a submission, a rear naked choke in two minutes. Another light heavyweight to be on the watch for. Great performance. Kelly Clayton, the big upset. Lands a clean punch. Haley Cohn going for that desperation takedown. Always a bad idea. The guillotine choke. Clayton with the huge upset. Jamal Pogues, we hadn't seen him since losing an LFA title fight. Devastating ground and pound. Three rounds of it. Great victory for Jamal. Kyle Stewart proving that he needs to be in a title fight. Maybe getting that Bellator call. Didn't work out with him in the UFC. Defeating Tim Karen though, here in the co-main event in four minutes. Putting it all together and finishing it on the ground. A great performance from Stewart. And Chitty and Jakawani in the main event. A sharp knee up the middle. Devastating clinch work gets the finish at 4 minutes, 10 seconds of the second round. The striking skills are there. We even saw some takedowns. And Jaquani at middleweight. And now he has 26 fights into his career, rounding out his skill set, looking very interesting. We will see the LFA back in October. The news has come that they will be doing three shows in four weeks in Wichita, Kansas. You had the first of back-to-back -back events Friday and Saturday. Bellator at it from the fight sphere. The first night is headlined by light heavyweights. The rematch seven years in the making. And it's Phil Davis again getting the close but decision victory over Leota Machida. What made Machida dynamic and separated him from the pack in his heyday was his speed. Crazy speed at 205 pounds. As he's gotten older, that gap between him and the field has narrowed. The field has gotten closer. And Phil Davis realized he was not seeing the same speed out of Leota Machida According to the stats, when you really break them down, I believe that Machida did land a couple more strikes, but it looked like Phil Davis really was getting the better of the exchanges, landing the heavier shots, gets that decision victory. For Davis, you would figure the expectations were either a title shot or the winner of this is welcoming Corey Anderson. Anderson coming off of that loss to Jan Blahovich. Is there a possibility that Machida 
could fight Anderson. They're both coming off of losses. And Davis is able to capitalize and take this and use the momentum to put himself into a fight with Nemkov. Davis remembers that he was having a good third round against Nemkov, even though the first two rounds were not great, in my opinion, and feels that he is in prime position to be the number one contender for that light heavyweight title in Bellator. And really, if you're thinking about it from a financial means, you're Phil Davis, you'd rather risk your win streak against the champion and have that big payday opportunity than fight Corey Anderson right off the bat. And it's bigger, and the paychecks are definitely bigger when you're fighting in a title fight rather than in a number one contender's bout. If you can make the argument hard enough that you've already won a number one contender's bout and you would fight Anderson after a victory or they're able to make, that's Bellator if they're able to make, Machida versus Anderson, maybe those scenarios work out better. You also saw earlier on the card, Alex Pozzili with a great unanimous decision win over Rafael Carvalho, the wrestling, the domination. Pozzili just 7-0. and oh, Is that too soon for him to be getting into big primetime fights on the main card? For my money, their top prospect right now at 205 pounds because I don't believe Jordan Young is with the promotion anymore. Bellator having to build up that 205-pound division, but a good win for Phil Davis. Co-main event, Kat Zingano. It's a unanimous decision. Two scorecards give her 30-26 in beating Gabrielle Holloway. Good, not great. You could see Zingano having to kick off some of the rust. You could see her getting used to full speed again instead of hard sparring. And you could also see all of that being referenced in her post-fight speech, post-fight interview, where she did not call out Chris Cyborg. That was the opportunity. That was the emphasis. That was the moment to steal it. And Zingano did not make the call out. That signifies she is not ready. It's better that Arlene Blanco is going to be fighting Cyborg because she wanted the fight. Zingano at least won maybe two fights away from really feeling, or from me really believing that she feels like she's in the position to again challenge to be the best in the world and fight Chris Cyborg. But congratulations, Kat Zingano, on the debut victory in Bellator. Taylor Johnson knew he had a lot of upside, didn't know he could... Grapple in that terms of a submission game, catching Ed Ruth in the heel hook and getting that victory. Devastating work there. And that was just night one of the Bellator action. When you look at night two, it started off with Jackson Wink, heavyweight prospect, Davian Franklin. He moves to 2-0, and but a little bit of controversy as in the third round, ground and pound shot from the back apparently goes wayward to the point where it's to the back of the head. And we have a technical decision. Raz Hilton uh, devastated so much by the blow that apparently had to be stretchered out for his safety and precautions. I could actually see the argument for that part for that blow did hit some of the ear, and as far as I understand, that's what it takes to still be a legal shot. I think that Davian Franklin really got ragged on by the commentary. That was us listening to it. You go back and watch it. 
Uh, he's the top heavyweight prospect right now that Bellator has. The last top prospect in the heavyweight division that Bellator had lost to Raz Hilton. Franklin went out there, possibly could work on his cardio, but when he wanted the takedowns, he had them. You have a big man throwing these spinning heel kicks. I'd love to see more traditional boxing and just big blows being swung, but hey, I'm not in there controlling him or fighting or whatever. Up to Franklin, I thought he looked good. I thought the commentary was hard on him, and I thought he won in top devastating faction, really just dominating the fight. Daniel Madrid, impressed with his ability to outstrike Pat Casey. It was a gritty fight, but I thought Madrid got the win, and I thought he looked good enough to also insert himself into a main card next time as Bellator's looking to build up that middleweight division. Keone Diggs showed off his grappling, the late submission finish of Derek Campos putting him to sleep. Definitely seeing the potential in Diggs, the Benson Henderson protege, Demon Gracie, who knows how high his ceiling is, will be hunting Douglas Lima very soon for that welterweight title. For my money, Amoslav Amagov is still the number one contender, but when Neiman Gracie is able to out-wrestle John Fitch and then submits and playing the lug lock game, it makes a statement overwhelmingly impressed by Neiman Gracie. Definitely right now in my top three of the Bellator welterweight division. Patchy Mix, Juan Archuleta, the main event to crown that new Bellator Bantamweight champion. Mix had his opportunities, had Archuleta's back, had him down to the ground in the first and second round, was unable to finish the choke. Archuleta, normally a wrestler, a grinder, turned into an elusive volume striker in this fight, putting together a game plan, avoiding the clinch situations, proved to be his dividends, putting together a really nice round three, four, and five. I thought that mixed at points where the commentary was blasting and gushing overwhelmingly about Archuleta's success of tearing Mix up and picking him apart, that Mix was landing hard counter shots, enough that Archuleta was backing out, circling away, and making sure to pick and choose his times when to enter and exchange. And just for my money, it's weird to see a guy land 230 strikes as Archuleta did, and Mix did not look as beat up as... Well, we'll we'll get to that one right now in a minute. I mean, it looked like a real dogfight when you look back at the main event from the UFC fight night, Watterson versus Hill. That's what a five-round war is supposed to look like. I'm talking about how beat up the fighters looked afterwards. Michelle Watterson with a rough first and second round as Angela Hill came out with a laser and great accuracy to her overhand right the third round, Watterson changes the tides, finding the takedown. And then for the fourth and fifth rounds, Watterson was able to put together a higher volume and output than what we had seen earlier. Hill not able to land that right hand in the same manner. It was close. I could have seen this one going either direction. 48-47 uh, thought three rounds to two was very close because you definitely thought the first two and the third, or the first two went to Hill, the third and fourth went to Watterson. It was how did you score that fifth round? Really great fight from those ladies, uh, especially with the original main event, Glover Teixeira versus Tiago Santos being canceled, Teixeira testing positive for COVID-19. The women jumping up short notice from a three-round co-main event accepting a five-round main event. Major props to them. 
quick note we that Tiago Santos Glover Teixeira fight had been rebooked to October 3rd. It will not be happening October 3rd. Tiago Santos has now tested positive for COVID-19. Best wishes to Santos and Teixeira on a speedy and full recovery. Otman Azatar, it's 2-0 in the UFC. He's now 13-0 in MMA and gets a not a TKO of comma worthy in 93 seconds. Clipping worthy and throwing overhand rights and left hooks until the finish. Dropping worthy down. Hitting with some ground and pound. You gotta love 155 pounds. That Moroccan. Big power. Big potential. A lot of kickboxing experience. And hopefully with a fast win like that, the UFC will turn him around quick to Fight Island. We saw Azatar debut on Fight Island. Hopefully we'll see him now back there this second stint around. Controversy. Can't get away from in combat sports. A knee to the liver from Mike Rodriguez to Ed Herman in the second round. That should have been a body shot that ended the fight was mistaken by a ref for an illegal low blow. The ref breaking the action, giving Herman the ability to recover. Later, Herman finding himself in trouble eating elbows on a takedown attempt on his back, desperately grabs at Rodriguez's arm, locks in a Kimura, sweeps, and forces the submission victory. So Mike Rodriguez should have won by TKO. The referee, the referee, only one to blame in this situation, totally messes it up. There should be an avenue to use instant replay without ending the fight automatically. With having, as you have multiple referees at an event, having the one that is not in the cage, having one of the guys that is off, sitting there cage side, watching a monitor, and able to observe replays for incidents where there are. Was that a punch or was that an eye poke? Was that a legal shot with a knee or a kick or was it illegal? I think you really need to have a referee in position to judge these things quickly, accurately, facilitate the process, not have to have the cage open, not have to have a referee come out, but have a referee outside able to watch the available prompters and communicate. It's very easy for Michael Bisbing, Daniel Cormier, Joe Rogan, uh, Paul Felder, Dan Hardy to ask for replays to the producers, get them, and show us all what is legal or illegal. I don't know why it is so hard for the commissions to be able to take advantage of the same technology. This was another case where the human eye failed the fighter. Great win for Ed Herman as he was getting beat up and came back even though she didn't have had the ability. Somewhat controversial, but Herman wins. Rodriguez got paid like he's like he won. I think the UFC will give and book Mike Rodriguez the next fight like he did win. It's hard to take that out on the record, but it's a kooky sport. Bobby Green, a decision win. Dude is looking smooth. Dude is looking great. 3-0 in 2020. Has really found a resurgence. Bitterly, Quarantillo, the straight right knockout early into the third round. Surprised the fight made it there. He had Nelson Hurt to end the second round. Great finishing instincts. Great combination. Kevin Kroom, the left hand, touches Roosevelt Roberts. And then the high elbow guillotine. Do not shoot those desperation takedowns. We're used to it in boxing where you can clinch to save yourself. It's not the same thing in MMA. 
I'm not sure what the preferred way to save yourself is going to end up being an MMA, but shooting a guillotine gets you tapped. Congratulations, Kevin Kroom. $64 in his pocket on Wednesday. 70000 now with the show bonus, the win bonus, and a performance bonus. Big homie, congratulations. Jalen Turner, a great submission win over Brock Weaver. Turner, a big kickboxer, showing he can get it done with the grappling. Brian Barberina with the comeback from the back injury, a huge story. And Sabina Mazza, the head kicks were there, and then she shows she can grapple, getting the rear naked choke. I thought that UFC fight night, Watterson versus Hill, a ton of fun, great finishes, and a spectacular, just spectacular card for my money. Now as we look towards this week's action, unfortunately, we've lost a fight that we were looking forward to. Got to touch on this real quick. The UFC cannot come to a financial agreement with Dustin Poirier. And Poirier will not, I repeat, unfortunately, will not be taking on Tony Ferguson at UFC 254 on Fight Island. That one hurts. That is disappointing. That was like a fight of the night. You know, you're thinking about Nurmagomedov and Gaethje and Poirier Ferguson on the same card. <laughs> oh, too good to be true. And yeah, it is. But all hope is not lost because, wow, Dana White is in talks with the hottest free agent in the MMA market. Yeah, we're talking about Iron Mike Chandler, the former three-time, yes, three-time, yes, three-time Bellator lightweight champion. Could he be fighting greener pastures here in the UFC? Could we see Chandler Ferguson in October for Chandler's UFC debut? That is the rumor. Let's keep our fingers crossed. That would be spectacular. Now, looking forward to this week, UFC Fight Pass is going to be where most of our MMA action is going on. And it starts Thursday. There's a double header. On UFC Fight Pass. First off, you have Cage Fury Fighting Championships 84. That is going down the first of two in Tunica, Mississippi. That's CFFC, who recently merged with V3 Fights if you had watched them previously from Flow. That was a Mississippi based promotion. Here they are combining for night one your main event. 135-pounders going for a title belt. Jared Scoggins, yes, the brother of Justin Scoggins. We know the karate stylist taking on Thomas Vasquez. Co-main event is the featherweights. Pat Sabatini versus Factory X Grinder. Grizzly outdoorsman, loves to fish. Jordan Tatoni, obviously I've had the opportunity to talk to him several times. You also got Trevor Wallace, an unbeaten prospect on that one. So that is the first of two nights from Cage Fury Fighting Championships. Also, same night, we're talking about tomorrow night with Invicta FC 42. You're going to see a new Atomweight Champion crown. That is the plan as Ashley Smashley Cummins. The officer and fighter takes on wrestler Alicia Zapatella. Both of these ladies with that grinding wrestling background. Going to be interesting to see they kind of cancel each other out and go for the striking. 
former strawweight champion is going to be in action. Herrera Tiburcio taking on Jessica Dolin in a battle of Brazilians. You also have Victoria Leonardo versus Liz Tracy into Americans fighting. You're going to see the return of Raquel Paul Louis now Raquel Canto in the co-main event at Bantamweight now after getting her Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt taking on 5 and 1 Lisa Verrazzo interest and intrigue definitely there from the offering that is coming from Invicta FC then you head over to Friday night UFC fight pass with that second half of the cage Fury FC double or back to back event. Now it's 85, and in the main event, the 170 pound title is up for grabs. Mike Hill, Canadian, former tough alum against Bobby Lee. Lee many times has competed from the LFA, a Minnesota native. A wrestler coming off of a tri- arm triangle choke win over Zach Shaw. Hasn't fought this year. Finishes in his last three victories. Taking on Canada's Mike Hill. Hill has won three of his last four with a draw mixed in there. All decisions for Hill, who we know likes to strike. So that's going to be the main event there. Familiar names in the co-main event as Jose Mariscal, who I've seen in the LFA, a Chicago wrestler training in Colorado with the Elevation Fight Team. They talk about how slick and smooth his striking is. He's taking on UFC vet, who I've seen compete in Legacy FC kickboxing and MMA, who is a member of the Black Zillions previously, Sean Soriano. Uh, also on that car, you have Razamon Curry. Magomedov, 7-0, and and getting an opportunity to show off his skills. And I think for Rosamond, this is the opportunity to get on the list to be on a short-notice call to the UFC. It had victories in ACB, in the PFL, I believe has, what, two submissions in his last four victories, has... Something like six wins overall by submission. Another talented grappler there from Russia that you can see for that Cage Fury promotions. couple other great prospects are also going to be featured. So the back-to-back there in Mississippi. Not to forget also you got some one championship. A new breed going down. We're Pechme Pechme Academy, Magnus Anderson. That's a Muay Thai main event. So you have an offering there from Bangkok, Thailand. Again, where one championship has been setting up. Lightweight Muay Thai title fight. Muay Thai and kickboxing littered across this card. With where they are in Thailand, not as much MMA going on. But if you're looking to see some striking Friday morning, you can with one championship on that BR Live app for free. You know you like that price. Let me say it again. For free. And that leads us over to Saturday. Saturday, UFC Fight Night. Covington versus Woodley. These are top 10 ranked welterweights. 
Woodley's back is against the wall after these last two losses. Usman and Burns, he did not look good in them. Look gunshy, got pushback, was allowed himself to be pressured by the advancing party. And Colby Covington is a volume striker, always coming forward, going to be looking to tire out Woodley, making him work, hitting him, punching him, mixing up the wrestling, chaining it together, whatever he can do to just press the pace. If Woodley is going to find his stride, this could be the opportunity because out of his last three opponents, the raw punching power, Usman Burns hit much harder than Covington. There's an ability for if Woodley lets his hands go to score that knockout. If not, he's going to be eaten up, spit out, put through a grinder. The co-main event, Nico Price versus Donald Cerrone. Cerrone comes in with a losing streak. He is definitely going to be the smaller of the two parties. Nico Price is a finisher with some of the most spectacular and improbable finishes that I've seen inside of the UFC octagon. But if Cowboy Cerrone is able to find his own, find his chi and get to work, we know that his striking is beautiful. He has excellent grappling. He's going to have to keep this one on the feet, I believe, even though Price is a very heavy-handed puncher. I wonder if he's going to be the stronger of the two in the grappling realm. Woodley, Cerrone... Pivotal fights as they're both fighting with their backs against the wall. Kazumet Chimaev has been set on a rocket ship to start him. He's back for his third UFC fight, taking on Grizzle Vet Jared Mershart. Mershart is the type of guys is the type of guy that makes fights ugly, drags you into gritty grappling matches where there's just tons of transition in the battle of whales. This will test Chimaev, and if he's able to get past this test. At 185 pounds, the reports are that he will return to 170 for a meeting with the legend, Damian Maya. Also on the card, top 15 ranked light heavyweights. Johnny Walker was all the rage until he wasn't. It's been rough for Walker in his last two fights, getting knocked out by Corey Anderson, not performing the way he wanted to, losing a decision to Nikita Krylov. He will try to get back to that spectacular form when he knocked out Justin Ledet and Misha Serkinov when he takes on Ryan Spann. Spann, quietly, just on a monstrous win streak. You don't talk about it, but he claimed that LFA title. That was three in a row. One on the Contender Series and is now 4-0 in the Octagon, even though that was a hard split decision at UFC 249 to beat Sam Alvey. It's a big win streak. It's a lot of momentum for Ryan Spann. He can take down. He can submit Johnny Walker. Maybe they knock each other out. This one can be exciting. I think that Walker wants to keep this standing where Spann, more than likely would like to take this to the ground because I think that's his avenue of least resistance. But that one is definitely going to be exciting as somebody peeks their way into the top 10 in a division that has a whole new life. Mackenzie Dern ran to Marcos. Marcos is grinding and gritty, willing to engage in the grappling. Dern is spectacular on the grappling. If it hits the ground, you really like Dern. You'd like to see Marcos be able to nullify with her wrestling, the grappling, and see if they brawl it out on the feet. Kevin Holland is opening up the main card, taking on Darren Stewart. Holland 
setting this pace, setting himself up right now just outside the top 15, wants to get in, wants to start making that superstar name for himself. His length, his awkward movements, he's been hurting guys. Darren Stewart, his first career victory by submission after having been out-wrestled. The wrestling has been a problem for Stewart. He's got that solved. Now he gets Holland, who's going to want to trade with him. That one will be a lot of fun. Short notice, Jeremiah Wells was supposed to fight Thursday on the CFFC card. And instead, he'll be fighting Miguel Beza on the UFC card. Beza unbeaten, 9-0. I've heard from dudes in Florida that striking is just hot fire. Can't wait to see what he does. Flyweights, Jordan Espinosa is going to be taking on David Dork. Talked about Espinosa, talked to Espinosa, just looked spectacular in his last outing. So clean, so crisp, so fast. Dork made his Octagon debut, beating Bruno Silva back in March. You saw that on ESPN+. Think he's going to look to use his wrestling and try to grind this one out, but had a better striking game than what was expected. You again look for Espinosa to pick his shots, use his speed, get in and out. Sarah Alpar, who was the former LFA champion, got her contract on the Contender Series, going to be meeting Jessica Rose Clark, Clark coming up from Flyweight. Look for those two to go back and forth, banging it. And if there's a takedown, I think it's going to be Alpar getting after it. Also making his debut on short notice on this ridiculously big card that is set up for 14 fights. Yes, UFC Fight Night, 14 fights, Covington versus Woodley. Opening the card up, you have Jerome the Renegade Rivera against Tyson Nam. Rivera, the Santa Fe native. I've seen the kid compete since Judgment MMA Smokers. I believe I've been to a vast majority of this kid's professional fights. I was there for his two AAA MMA fights. I was there for at least one of his King of the Cage fights. Jackson Winks, LFA, LFA. So to see this guy go from those literally amateur smokers in a small gym to the big show on short notice, this is cool, win or lose. Rivera comes in on a three-fight win streak. The last, two of the last three, two of those three, by submission, an armbar of Gene Perez, a mounted triangle choke of Kendrick Latchman, now taking on Tyson Nam. Nam, we know, the Hawaiian fighter, has some pretty heavy hands. So for Rivera, you're going to want to turn this into a grappling match, try to get on that back and get the rear naked choke because we know Nam is going to be looking to disengage and land bombs. I'm looking forward to this fight night. I think it's going to be a fun one. And again, I think it's going to be fun if the UFC can get this deal done with Michael Chandler, bring in Michael Chandler to fight Tony Ferguson in the co-main event of UFC 254. I mean, Chandler with an opportunity right there to call out the winner of Gaethje and Nurmagomedov. It sounds like a storybook for Iron Mike. It sounds like a huge opportunity for Ferguson to jump back in. I really wish the UFC could have came to uh, terms with Dustin Poirier and reached a medium of how much he would like and how much they would like to pay him. But... Business is business, and I'm just talking about the fights right here. Glad to see some great fights going down. That was a lot of stuff. Uh, phase 3 again coming up for the LFA. Uh, UFC fight pass the place to be this week. 
And now you've dived inside of my cage mind. Thanks for listening.